Uh, you can turn to John chapter 15, I believe, if you have a Bible or a Bible app, or you want to borrow a Bible. Our, uh, we have loaner Bibles at the back there, but we're going to read John chapter 15. And thanks. That was a great explanation. Uh, shoulders and heart. And so if you see our elders with a hunch, they're carrying it. It's a little bit heavy. Uh, so uh, let's be praying for our elders and uh, be anticipating good things through them. So um, we're going to read again uh, from John 15. We're going to look at verses 1 to 8. And this morning I'm going to read from the, the message paraphrase version by my good friend Eugene Peterson. I am the real vine and my father is the farmer. He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes. And every branch that is grape bearing he prunes back so it will bear even more. You are already pruned back by the message I have spoken. Live in me. Make your home in me, just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. I am the vine. You are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up and thrown in the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my father shows who he is. When you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples. And I'm going to turn over to Acts chapter 2 and read verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. May God bless the reading of his word. Feel free to have a seat, unless you want to stand all morning. You can stand if you really like. Um, <laughs> no, Scott? Yeah, you're... I'd expected no different of you, my friend. Um, I've got this, uh, this great friend in my neighborhood. Um, his name's Craig. And Craig and I became friends at the local coffee shop. Surprise, surprise. That's where I make all my new friends. And uh, we've been friends for a couple years, and... He's there every morning, it seems, and anytime I go in, it's a sure thing that, that he'll be there. And on Monday mornings, when I wander over to his table, he's always saying, so, how did yesterday go? You know, he knows that Sunday's kind of a big day for pastors. He wants to hear the, the, the report, you know, like, did he just score a touchdown? Was, uh, was there a home run, or was it more like a four or a five out of ten? He's asking me these kind of questions. And uh, uh, one week, uh, actually a couple weeks ago, bumped into him walking in front of my house with his dog, and he's, he looked anxious to see me, so I came out and we chatted, and he said, you're not going to believe what, what's been going on. I think of you every time this happens in our family, my two young adult, teenage young adult daughters, one of them has named their, their uh, Apple Car Connect, uh, Bluetooth Connect, uh, they've labeled it as Jarvis, which is a Marvel kind of godlike character, and so the other one labeled theirs as God, and so... Yeah, any time they get out of the car now and their phone disconnects, it says, God is disconnected. <laughs> and he thought this was, he says, surely that'll preach, Derwin. Surely that will preach. 
And so uh, he'll be really pleased that I actually shared that this morning. But it is kind of funny. God is disconnected. But I know lots of people who feel like that. People who feel like God is distant. God is a, a way off, far, far from me at least. He, he seems to be connected to other people. I've, I've seen that. But sometimes it feels like he's not connected to me. And while it's true, there will be days where it seems like God is disconnected or, or far away. Jesus came preaching and teaching a whole different reality. Abide in me, he said, and I will abide in you. And Jesus is saying that the God that we think is, is far off, that is, <laughs> actually wants to make his home in us. In John 15, if anything, this, this, this branch and vine picture that we've been looking at, if anything, it's a picture of intimate connection with the living God. But this connection, well, it doesn't just happen. It's not this passive deal. Jesus actually invites us to do something. We can actually grow that connection. He says, abide in me. We've got this part to play. And we've been kind of thinking about how do we do that? How do we abide in Jesus? How do we do it as individuals? And then thinking a little bit bigger, how do we do it as a church? It's such an important question, let me tell you, that we'll be coming back to John 15, 4, time and time again, for years to come. It's kind of one of those key verses in Scripture. But we've looked at three historic ways the church has sought to do this. We've looked at the evangelical, the sacramental, and the Pentecostal emphasis, which we're going to look at today. And my hope is that less and less and less will be saying God is disconnected. And more and more and more will experience deep and life-connecting connection with Jesus. Amen? Let me pray and ask him to do that right now. Jesus, we come and we hear your extraordinary invitation to us to abide in you. And uh, we might feel a little lost about how to do that, God, and so we're grateful that you actually send help and you actually teach us how to do this. And we're in a process of learning and we're going to keep on learning for, for the, the, the foreseeable future, Lord, as to how to stay connected to you and to enter into the life that you have for us. So lead us this morning. Speak to us this morning, very personally, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So how do we abide in Jesus? Well, those who come from a more Pentecostal or charismatic perspective would say that the way we make this abiding connection with God is through the gift that Jesus talks about in John 14 and John 16. These two chapters that kind of bracket our primary invitation in John 15. The gift of the Holy Spirit. We're going to go through a lot of scripture today, but let me just begin by reading a few verses from John 14. Jesus says in verse 16, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world can't accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And I love this line, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. And then a few verses later in, in verse 25, Jesus says, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send into my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And then chapter 16, uh, verse 12 and following, he, Jesus says, I have much more to say to you. He, this is his last seating with the, the disciples. He have, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. I love that. 
Jesus knows that you have limits. He knows that I have limits and that if he like downloaded everything that he wanted us to know, we would, our brains and minds, our hearts would explode. And, and it's okay because he says this, he says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears. That's describing this, this interconnection of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit fellowshipping together. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it's from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Those, uh, those scriptures make it really clear that it's the Spirit who will lead the disciples into understanding and, and, and truth. That, that they won't be left on their own to kind of figure things out. They also make it clear that it's the Spirit who will point the disciples in the right direction. They'll, it'll point the disciples to Jesus, and that the Spirit will actually glorify himself, glorify God in the disciples. This, uh, this emphasis on the Holy Spirit is, is found all the way through uh, the Gospel of John, right in the opening chapter. The evangelical perspective might emphasize John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. And then the sacramental uh, perspective would, would emphasize the, the Word became flesh and, and dwelled among us. For the Pentecostal, the key moment or the pivotal turning kind of moment of John chapter 1 comes a little later in the words of John the Baptist when he speaks of Jesus' baptism. John says, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And then in the parallel passage to that, in Luke chapter 3, verse 16, John the Baptist speaks of how he baptizes with water, but how there is one among you who will baptize with spirit and fire. And so for the, the Pentecostal, the whole point of the coming of Jesus, the Messiah, is Pentecost, the, the outpouring of the Spirit on all of God's people. And then in John 3, Jesus is asked the question of like, how can I become a Christian? How, how can I be saved? How can I be made right with God? And Jesus, Jesus points to himself, but he also points to the Spirit again. He says, it's tied up in the Spirit. Someone is saved by God when they're born from above, when they're born of the Spirit. And so the Spirit is, is the very key means by which believers experience the grace of God. And, and then if you, you skip to the end of, of, chap, of John, and John's just such a great gospel. It's becoming my favorite, I think. You have this, this stunning moment in John chapter 20 where Jesus is with his disciples again in, in again, probably an upper room. And uh, he says these words. He says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them, and the Holy Spirit came. The Spirit is sent. The, the Spirit is, is given. And then through this gift, each follower of Jesus, uh, the church is actually empowered to abide in Jesus. Listen to these verses. Romans 5, 5. The Apostle Paul says, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. 
makes it clear that this abiding with Jesus is actually a good thing, that we're abiding in the love of Jesus. And then 1 John 4, 11. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. So in and, and through the spirit, we're drawn into connection and, and actual fellowship with, with Jesus. And, and so for the Pentecostal, if, if we were to ask the question, how do we abide in, in Christ as, as Christ abides in us? The, the answer is simple. It's, it's about receiving the Spirit, being born again by the Spirit, being led into truth by the Spirit, and then being empowered by the Spirit. Through the Spirit, Jesus abides in us. Our, our Bluetooth might say, God is connected. This is kind of important to talk about because for for many Christians in the Western world, the Holy Spirit is the forgotten member of the Trinity. It's often more like Father, Son, and Holy Scripture. It's also important because the Holy Spirit is the one who came to make us one. He he, he came to bring bring unity. Like that song, it flashed into my brain this week, like pulled out you know, like a jukebox, and I, I hadn't sung this song or thought of this song in probably decades, but some of you would know this. It goes like this. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one. You're supposed to join in at that point, just all together. No, don't. It would be terrible. But it goes on to say, and we pray that our unity will one day be restored, and they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. They will know we are Christians by our love. Love that. That's awesome. Uh, Tragically, rather, the Holy Spirit has been the focus of so much division and conflict and confusion and tension among God's people. It's also important to talk about because if you you were to talk to, to, to historians, church historians, they'd tell you that the 20th century was actually uh, the Pentecostal century. And what they, they mean by that is just the massive growth of, of the church worldwide where, where the Holy Spirit's power and, and, and transforming presence is not just an idea among, among those people, but instead the experience of the Holy Spirit is a real part of everyday life. Churches like that are growing like crazy. Pentecostal charismatic churches make up one-third of the churches in the world. In size, they're second only to the Roman Catholic Church. They're the fastest growing expression of the church around the the world. If you're at all interested in what God is up to in the world, there seems to be this unprecedented, and, and it really is unprecedented move of God's spirit around the world. So let me say this. I agree with Gordon T. Smith's conclusions in his book that I've been talking about that yes, we're called as a church to be evangelical. We're called to, 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 to learn God's word, to get into his word, to, to let God's word dwell in us richly and have his word point us to the word. Or to take it seriously. I, I believe we're called to be sacramental, where we become attentive to God and his presence through, through contemplation and through... <laughs> reflection and, and, and through practicing his presence in our everyday life and through the practice of, of the sacraments together. But I also agree with Gordon that we're to be Pentecostal too, 
to learn personally what it means to live in the life and the power of the Spirit, and then, then together as a church to be open to the, all the Holy Spirit would want to do in and through us. Um, some of you know Dan, not this Dan, another Dan, but it's Dan who, who has been part of Hillside for many years. In fact, I was thinking about it this week. He came to Christ uh, 19 years ago in January of 2000. I know this because I asked him this week. And uh, Dan, quite the character. Um, interesting to hear his, just a brief little bit of his testimony. Um, Dan had never been a churchgoer. He, he had a family, uh, two, two daughters uh, and, and, and his wife, and uh, they'd never gone to church as a family ever. But he had this nagging sense that he was supposed to go to church. It was like that that was somehow going to be an answer for him. And so finally, he, he decides to act on this impulse, and he talks to the only Christian friend that he knew, and his friend said, well, I go to a Pentecostal church. And Dad said, no, that's the only rule I've made in my head. I'm not going to go to a Pentecostal church, anywhere but a Pentecostal church. I've heard that they do weird things in Pentecostal churches, like swing from the chandeliers. How does that get, like, has that ever happened actually, I wonder? How did they get the rep for swinging from chandeliers? I, I think injuries would happen for sure if that happened. And speaking in tongues and all this kind of weird stuff and, and really loud worship and all those kind of things, which is more normal in our day today. But, but he was freaked out by Pentecostals. But his friend said, well, actually, this week, I'm, uh, I'm going to a friend's baptism at, at this church in Coquitlam called Hillside. And so he dragged Dan. Dan actually and his family came that Sunday. I thought they were longtime Christians because they all had these hardcover Bibles, and they sat there and looked devout. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> they looked just like, we're believers, and we believe it, and that's all. It, and, and, but this was their first time in church as a family. That Sunday that they came, we had a bapt, it, was, it was a baptism service, and who should be getting baptized that Sunday but a kid that Dan played road hockey with when he was a kid in Edmonton. And he shows up, first time in church, shows up on a Sunday where, where this long-lost connection that he hadn't, known, hadn't seen in 25 years is there at church declaring his loyalty to Jesus through baptism. And Dan said, that was enough to get my attention, and I started coming to church, and I kept on coming. And uh, through Dan, and interestingly enough, not, not only did Dan, but his wife and family and uh, they certainly became open to the Holy Spirit. But some people come from the background where, where maybe they have that reaction to that term, Pentecostal, like Dan did, where, where there's maybe a lot of fear connected to the third member of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, he's often called. I mean, is that not enough to scare you right there? Or they've heard, as, as we just mentioned, some of the the weird things that, that seem to happen in churches where the, the Holy Spirit is emphasized, or, or they've seen examples of churches where there's been great tension w around what, what seems to be those who have the Spirit and those who don't have the Spirit, and lots of judgment kind of getting thrown around or, or a sense of spiritual superiority. Or there's those who are concerned what the Spirit might do if he grabbed hold of your life or mine and so they're afraid of what would happen if I, I gave him control. And so as a result, there are those who have resisted the working of the Spirit or been hesitant or fearful or just plain confused for good reason. 
But here's the thing. If we open the door to the Spirit, we, if we don't open the door to the Spirit, I would suggest that we close ourselves off to one of the very best gifts of God, the gift of himself. By the way, it is himself. It's, the Holy Spirit is not a, a gas or a force or, or, or an impersonal idea. The Holy Spirit is a person. But it's the Spirit of God. He, he's so good. He's the one who facilitates this abiding relationship with Jesus. It's the Spirit who makes the presence of Jesus real to us. It's the Spirit who makes the hope of, of life transformation possible. I love this verse from Romans 8, 11. It says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit who lives in you. And we see that's what happened in the early church. You know, the, the spirit came, poured out on Jesus' followers. And, and I, I wouldn't get fixated on the tongues that came on that first day. I get fixated on how the, the disciples were transformed from <laughs> cowards to courageous. You know, they were, they were kind of bumbling around up to that point, and suddenly they're bold for God. It, it, it was unbelievable the, the transformation that happened to these, the, these early disciples. And so any hope that we have of being changed by God is a work that he does in and through us through the Holy Spirit. Another verse from, from Paul promises where the spirit of the Lord is, is freedom. I'd love to just stop there for a long time and think about what that looks like. Some of you think that uh, if I give the Lord lordship of my life, the vision isn't freedom. It's kind of slavery or something like that. But when the spirit comes, there's true freedom. Freedom to be who you really were meant to be. Freedom to live in your own, and feel comfortable in your own skin. And, and, and here's the thing, too. I believe we'll be entirely frustrated if we try to live the Christian life on our own, if we try to actually fulfill the call of God. Some of you have this sense of, I want to change the world. That was put in you by God, right? Some of you want to create great art. That was put in you by, our, by God. But some of you, some of you want to uh, uh, tackle one of the justice issues in our world. I, I believe that's God in you. But actually to fulfill that, to actually do anything with it, you're going to need the Spirit's power. I, uh, I love that our mission at Hillside, uh, which is to, to bring the healing, hope, and compassion of Jesus to the Tri-Cities and beyond. You know, I love that vision, and I, I'd love to see that happen where just in this city and the cities around and in far-off corners of our world, people would bump into, through us, because of this church, they'd encounter the healing and hope and compassion of Jesus. I can't think of a better gift to give them than that. But it's a big enough vision that we actually can't fulfill that on our own. Like, it's audacious enough, like, who are we to do that? It is only the Spirit who can do this. A couple weeks ago, this doesn't happen to me all the time, but, but occasionally God just gives me a word, a phrase that's just so out of the blue that I know it's from him. This happened to me two, two weeks ago. I was sitting with my coffee and my journal, and he just said to me these words, Derwin, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. It's, I've been holding on to that. You will receive power. 
You'll be able to do all that I call you to do because you'll have my power to do it. Thinking of this, uh, I was reminded of James Boyce uh, talking about St. Lawrence uh, of Arabia, not saint, he was just Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, I don't know whether he was a saint or not, but uh, he was visiting Paris after World War I, and he brought along some of the, the Arab friends that he'd been relating to, and he showed them around Paris. But you know what got them most excited? Was in their hotel rooms, they got excited by their bathrooms and by the faucets. And he'd find them turning the faucet on and for, turning the faucet off, like for hours, watching how easily, readily available the water was. And so when it came time to leave Paris, Lawrence found them in the bathrooms trying to detach the faucets. They wanted to bring the faucets with them. And they explained, Lawrence, it's very dry in Arabia. What we need are faucets. If we have them, we'll have all the water we could ever want. And, and Lawrence had to explain plumbing and, and how you actually have to be connected to a pipeline that connects to the, the water supply. And we laugh at that story, but, but then I, I think about the ways in my life where I've done something very similar, where I've done something seemingly even very good, taken the, the faucet, the, the beliefs, the, the teaching of Jesus, the, the call of Jesus, and tried to do them without Jesus. You can't actually live Jesus teaching without Jesus, without his spirit, without his power. And I think it's ironic how sometimes we try to be spiritual without the spirit. The spirit is what brings life to all of these other abiding activities. And so the Holy Spirit is not some add-on to the Trinity. The Holy Spirit of God is essential to connecting with God and abiding with Jesus. And so the question is just that I kind of want to wrap up with this morning if we were to be more Pentecostal as a church, more Pentecostal as God's people, what would that look like? Where do we go with this? And actually, this was too big, and so next week, I'm gonna talk about the implications for us as a church, and I think it's gonna be really interesting, some of the things that we talk about, about what would it look like if Hillside Church was a more Pentecostal church? You're not gonna to wanna to miss next Sunday. I think it's gonna be fun. Um, but today, uh, just to wrap up, a couple practical thoughts for us with regards to our relationship with God and the Holy Spirit. Two things for us personally. One I would call an attitude, and the other would be a habit uh, that we can cultivate, both of, we, both of which we can cultivate. From kind of a practical habit perspective, I think one way that, we can, really, that, that can really help us in this journey with the, the Spirit is the practice of prayer. You know, the, sacrament, uh, the sacramental approach might emphasize a particular type of prayer, and, and I really love this type of prayer, contemplative prayer, where you contemplate Jesus, you just actually, you're in the presence of Jesus, and I, I, I'd love to see us all grow in, in contemplative prayer. But when I think of Pentecostal prayer, Holy Spirit prayer, I think of believing prayer. I think of the kind of prayer that, that looks for God to kind of break through in our reality. I think it's the kind of prayer that we see, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Bring up there, down here. I think it's that kind of prayer, kingdom prayer. We, we, we're called to be with Jesus. That's contemplation, but I, I think we're also called to ask. Jesus said a lot about asking, seeking, knocking, looking for God to, to show up. And, and folks, it's what we see in the book of Acts. If, you, if you're wondering, like, is that kind of an, just 
look, look how the early church prayed. Every time they gathered, they prayed. Uh, it, it, the kind of prayer we, we see in Acts 3 where Peter prays and a lame man walks. Or the kind of prayer in, in Acts 4 where when they prayed and what happened? It says the house actually shook and they were all filled with the Spirit, which means they were all filled with this unbelievable sense of the closeness of the presence of God. <laughs> what encouragement that would be. Or the kind of prayer meeting we read about in Acts chapter 12 that breaks Peter out of prison. Australian, uh, but now Vancouverite, New Testament scholar Rick Watts talks about this kind of faith-filled Holy Spirit prayer. He asks the question, he says, so why, and he doesn't ask this more from a theological perspective, but he asks, why was there a dove at Jesus' baptism? He says, a dove knows how to do two things, where to go and how to get there fast. <laughs> That's all they know, right? Where to go, how to get there fast. And he goes on to make the point that when we're in trouble or we encounter need in our world, in our lives, or in the lives of others, we're to be like the dove. We're to go to God and go there fast. We're to pray. And folks, I, I love the fact that, that prayer's a value here at Hillside, but you know when I'll know it's a value? When we have to recruit more prayer counselors after our service. Right now, we're, we're actually doing okay with one or two people up at the front receiving people who come for prayer. But if we actually believed in the power of prayer, that God might actually show up and change our lives, that he might actually show up in, in, in my brokenness, my trouble, my calamity, if we actually believed that, we'd pray. And I, I don't, I don't want to guilt anybody out for, for it's, it's, a, it's sometimes a, a big deal to come up and ask for prayer. It seems like a public thing. And, but I mean, we believe in a God who answers prayer, and if we're not going to show up and, and actually show up to God and actually say, help, if it's just us by ourselves, help me, God. That's when I'll know we, we actually believe in prayer in this church, when we have to get a whack more people volunteering in our prayer ministry. That would be a great thing. Can we aim for that, folks? Uh, leaders, show the way in this, because I know you're just as messed up as everybody else right? Who doesn't have a, a can, 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 can anybody not put up their hand when it comes to you've got some sort of trouble going on in your life right now? Anybody? I think most of you have like some kind of trouble in your life. Let's look to God for that. I digress. I think that's something we can grow in as a church. Growing in believing prayer. It's a little bit more Pentecostal. Second thing is an attitude of openness to the Holy Spirit. I like uh, how Gordon T. Smith puts it. He says, the bottom line is that if we are truly Pentecostal, we will have a theology of the Holy Spirit that will inform and infuse the life of the ordinary Christian, sufficiently so that the typical Christian believer will know what it means to live in dynamic fellowship with the Spirit, of the transcendent presence of God in life and work and relationships. He, he talks of this, this dynamic fellowship of the Spirit, a life infused by the life of God. And, and I say, if we're going to become more Pentecostal, it'll be, be a, a journey for us of becoming more aware of the Spirit, more sensitive to the Spirit, and we'll actually be more intentional about cultivating a dependency on the Spirit. Prayer does that, by the way. And all this means is, is we'll not only believe in the Holy Spirit as an idea, but we'll actually begin to, 
to have a relationship with the Spirit. We'll trust the Spirit. Trust that He's good. That the Spirit only has good for us. I've never met anybody who, when the Spirit came on in their life in a greater way, said it was, my life was worse off. Um, actually, uh, in the last year, we were having an elders meeting, and we always pray. We spend about an hour praying in our elders meetings, crying out to God to move in you. We're, we're doing this shoulder heart thing, and we pray. And our, our greatest prayer, by the way, is not that God will relieve your suffering, whatever you're going through. Our greatest prayer is that you'll know God better. Greatest prayer is that you'll know God and that God will become more real to you. We pray that all the time. And one of those days we're praying and it felt like Acts chapter two. I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but the spirit came. Just the belief in that room, uh, we could have moved the mountains, torn down, you know, we could have thrown the mountains into the sea as Jesus says you can do when you pray. And, and actually as we're praying, three or four of us were filled with crazy sense of joy and God's love. And there was laughter. People began to laugh. It was a manifestation of the Spirit. But I love that, that the Holy Spirit is the one who, who, who we're told by Paul in Romans, who pours out God's love into our hearts. Who doesn't want that poured out into you? God's love. Scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 5 that we can also quench the Spirit. We can grieve the Spirit, which means we can kind of give the Spirit the hand. This far, but no farther. We can close the door to the Spirit. And folks, I don't want to dive into that too deeply here, but I want to say if we've been doing that for any reason, because of fear, or because of hurt, or because of suspicion, uh, or, or a desire just to hold on to control, it's worthy of repenting of. It, it's worthy of, of turning from. And we're going to offer a time to do that right now. We'd love for you to just examine your heart. Have, have I resisted? Am I closed? Is, is, when it comes to my life, is the Spirit able to do what He wants to do because I'm, I'm allowing Him to do it? Spirit is a gentleman. He won't come into somebody's life and, and, uh, unless he's welcome. Uh, that's the, 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 the genius of, of uh, God's sovereignty, but also human responsibility. He blesses us with that, that, that he allows us to have, have control over our lives. Is that me or is that you? Um, worship team, come on up here, and we're just going to encourage you to bow your heads and close your eyes and use this as a time of reflection and prayer. My big, uh, my big prayer that I've been praying for us as a church in recent months is that increasingly you and I will become more open to the life of the Spirit. That together we seek to, to be filled with the Spirit 
to be led by the Spirit, wide open to all the Spirit might want to do, inviting the Spirit to connect us in a very real way to Jesus. This morning, just want you to think, is there anything that's in the way of that? In your own life? Allow the Spirit to speak to you right now. He's here. And so, Lord, together we would pray today. And I would pray on behalf of his people that you would forgive us for the ways in which we've grieved your spirit. Lord, would you forgive us for the ways we've quenched your spirit? For the ways we maybe have silently in our hearts quietly, but said no. No to the Spirit. Maybe this is the kind of prayer you could pray this morning. Just I'll, I'll, I'll pray it, but you could make it your prayer. God, I give you permission in a greater way to come into my life by your spirit and do whatever you want to do. The sense is that uh, Jesus, I want to become more wide open to you this morning. Do whatever you want to do in me. Would you fill me with your very life by your spirit? Draw me into those things that would be, be good and right. We're told that the Holy Spirit convicts people of sin. I, Lord, I, I'd ask you to convict me of our sin. Con, convict us of, of those things that have, have taken me off track. And Lord, especially the sin of ignoring you. Lord, we pray today, fill us with your spirit. Open us up to the very life of the Spirit in us that we might have your power. Power to change the world. Yes, God. We say, we say together, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Yes, God. You know, as I just praying for you, I, I, uh, I see some of us walking around with faucets, okay? And, uh, and, and I know that for many seasons of my life as a follower of Jesus, I feel like I've done that. Walked around expecting life to come from the faucet that's disconnected from the pipeline. And uh, Jesus would like to do nothing greater than to send you his spirit in a fresh way. I believe every follower of Jesus, when you open your life up to Christ, the Spirit comes in. So, so being filled with the Spirit, being empowered by the Spirit is, is a gift as we surrender our lives to Him, as we open up our lives to Him, 
the Spirit often comes and brings His power in a, in a fresh way. And, and so maybe for you, it's like saying, Jesus, take this, this faucet, and, and connect me to the Spirit. Connect my life to your life. I, I don't want to do this on my own anymore. I want to be connected. And, and, and Jesus, more than anything, wants to connect you. So we're going to keep singing for a bit here, and I just want to ask the, the team to keep on going. But unique opportunity, one of our elders has just had a heart to pray for people to, to be filled with the Spirit. Ben Egmont Casey, Ben, would you come on up to the front? And uh, Ben's just going to be available. I, don't, I didn't talk to Ben beforehand, but I know he's available. And uh, he, he, he and maybe Dave will come up and, and they're going to be here and they're going to be ready to pray. Any, any of our other elders come on up here? And if you'd like prayer this morning for more of the Spirit in your life, we didn't script this. This is just how the Spirit works. But if you'd like to receive prayer today, we would love to pray that God's Spirit would come in your life in a more powerful way. So let's keep singing. Uh, if it helps you to, to sit and pray, uh, we're going to just carry on for a few minutes and uh, worship and be attentive to God's moving in our mix. But feel free to come if you'd like to receive prayer today. senses this morning that uh, God hears the prayers you've been praying in your heart. <laughs> he, knows, he knows exactly what's going on in you right now. And uh, I, I think he even says, I'm not going to weird you out. Maybe you're feeling weirded out. This isn't weird. The Spirit just wants to come and bring life in you, and he's hearing your prayers for that. And uh, I think we can expect that God's going to do great things in you. And he's going to come on you. And you're going to experience more life and power than you ever dreamed possible. And joy. And love. So uh, we're going to ask, I'm going to invite all of you who can stand. Why don't you stand again? And uh, let me give you the benediction. And then if you like prayer, these, these, our prayer team will be up here and our elders. But now... Uh, May you experience the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you'd like prayer, come for prayer. We have refreshments back there. Just if you could keep, we could keep the front area quiet for those who want to come and, and receive prayer. Feel free to come. God bless you.